God is real, God is alive, and God is moving, and he cares about everything in our life. So we're in the middle of this journey series, and today we're going to be talking about faith over fear. In everything the enemy tries to throw these darts of fear. What fear does is fear removes our peace. Fear zaps away at, at our, our sleeping. We can't sleep when we're in fear. Anxiety seeps in. It's these thoughts that keep on going around and around. Faith is the opposite of that. Faith is total trust in God that I don't know how. I don't know when. But God, you're in control. And faith is giving it to God. Fear is that that stops and delays us. But faith is that that says, go, go now. It is time. And you run. Fear looks within for the answers. Fear starts saying, well, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to do that? What am I going to do? How am I going to be able to, to talk to that person? But faith says, it's God's. I'm just going to obey. It all belongs to God. Fear is that that tells us, look to the person next to us to be with us because we can't do it alone or to be able to pass the baton to somebody else. Ever said yes to something and then you realize, what did I say yes to? And then you're looking around, um, oh, here, I think you should do this. Do you want to do this? Yeah, it's a good idea. Here, you do it. Fear causes you to want to pass it to somebody else. But faith says yes, yes, and yes. And that's what faith does. And this started stirring in my heart last spring break that we went to Hawaii. And we were in the North Shore, and we stopped at this beach. And we see a multitude of people gathering around. So, okay, something interesting must be happening. We get over there, and we see these turtles, these sea turtles that are there on land. And I'm like, this is such a cool experience. Wow, how nice. Look at the special gift God gave us. We got to experience this, not even knowing we're going to walk into this. Then we see, I see people walking around these rocks. And we started asking, and they told us, no, right at the end, when you pass this whole set of rocks, there is a bunch of sea turtles there in the ocean. Older ones, younger ones, like it is beautiful. I was the first one said, let's do this. My husband tells me, let's go to the car, let's go get shoes. I'm like, no, we can do this. Let's go. What if they decide to move? I do not want to miss that. I said, yes. And then I started walking on these rocks. And then within a couple minutes, I started saying, this is not an approved path. Like, this is not like if you're going to go on a hike that they have a path. This is like actual nature. Like, you fall, you fall, you are done. And I have my three kids with me doing this crazy thing, right? Uh, but I wanted to get to see that. Well, at one point, I could not move. Asked my daughter Abigail, because she was like going there trying to encourage me to go along. And she's like, Mom, come. And I said, I hear you. I want to. But these legs are not getting the message. They, I cannot move. I encountered that moment that I was absolutely, I can't. And I had to say, but Lord, give me strength. Lord, give me strength. Lord, help me. We made it. Then we made it all the way back to God be the glory. But we got to see this beautiful thing. But I encountered that fear that wanted to totally stop. And the enemy throws that in our faith journey every step of the way to stop us. 
Today we're going to look at one of the Hall of Famers. Hebrew 11 has like the Hall of Famers, right? All of those like mighty women and men of God that believes God and faith. We're going to look at Gideon. So we can all go to Judges chapter 6, please. Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at the life of Gideon. I'm going to start in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Johash, the Abizarites, whose son was Gideon, threshed, threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. What was happening? The Midianites were taunting. They were taking every provision from the children of Israel. They were practically starving the children of Israel. So Gideon was doing something. He was getting the wheat. He was threshing it. He was hiding. He was in the wine press doing this. He was doing something, right? He was doing maybe his part at that moment. He was trying to provide for himself, for his family. And then we get to verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon was doing something, but God was about to change his assignment. God was about to change what he really needed him to do. God was telling him, I am with you, and now says, you mighty man of valor. Mighty men of valor, what do they do? They go in the places that nobody else wants to go to. They do the thing that everybody says, are you crazy? Why would you even dare to do that? They do the thing. They defeat that enemy that nobody wants to go against. It's that special forces, mighty men of valor. And in here, I am convinced today that you are here today not by coincidence, but because God wants you here, because you are that mighty man of valor. You are that mighty woman of valor. You may not think it. You may not feel it. But God is the one that made you, so he knows what is inside of you. So your current assignment that you're doing something okay may not be the great thing that God wants you to do because he is saying I am with you mighty man of valor so Gideon responds verse 13 Gideon said to them oh my lord if the lord is with us why then has all this happened to us and where are all his miracles which of our fathers told us about saying did not the lord bring us out of Egypt but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Have you ever had that natural reaction? Somebody tells you, God is with you. God is the Prince of Peace. God wants to prosper you. And you look around. Huh. Do you want to step into my world right now? That's not what I'm seeing. But where are the promises? But where's the fulfillment of this promise? Where is the healing? Where is the miracle? Where is the unity in my family? Where is the victory? Where is it? Well, Gideon was telling God, where is this? But look at what God says in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? The people were praying. They were praying, God, bring deliverance. God, do something. God was sending Gideon, the one that went back to God and said, but where's the miracle? Where's the deliverance? Where's this? It's you. It's you. I'm equipping you. You are the one that I am stepping into. 
to walk in this faith that overthrows and conquers and is over the fear, the first thing is to accept the assignment from God in spite of the fear they may be trying to tell you no. In spite of the pros and cons list that you're like, but there's more cons than pros. But I know God said it. And this whole back and forth, in spite, accepting what God is saying, that is that first step in that. If we continue in verse 15. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest and the least. Reminds me of Moses, right? When God told him, hey, go. But I can't even talk. But I can't. I'm mean, trying to convince God like this is not happening. Like you got to be kidding me. He's telling God why he is not fit for that. I've been there. I remember years ago at a youth camp, the person we invited to come out, he told, okay, tomorrow is going to be like a prophetic night. You're part of that prophetic team. Huh? I had to receive my assignment. I received a little piece of paper about a month before that said that I was doing, I was in charge of a cabin. I was doing, like, I had my assignment. And what this person was telling me did not fit that piece of paper. So I spent all afternoon praying, Lord, speak to them. They obviously missed it. They obviously got it wrong. Like, I, ha I know so many other people that are in this camp right now that are better fit for this, that are better equipped for this. They must have gotten it wrong. Well, they didn't, and God moved in a mighty way, and God sort of had to push me into that next place because I wasn't just going to do it on my own. They didn't get it wrong. But, boy, did I try to tell God what the qualifications were. But you see, God's qualifications are not like when you go for a job and there's a certain way of writing a resume to make yourself look good and make yourself look maybe not too good because you want to also, like, balance that out. God's qualification is, let me look at your heart. Do you have a willing heart? It doesn't matter what your past says. Because God says that when you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. Forgiven. It doesn't matter your pedigree and what you've accomplished. Because it is God doing it, not you. It's actually how much can I remove myself from the equation to let the presence of God come in. God's qualifications and equal our qualifications. It's different. But then here we have what comes back after that, right? Verse 17. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight. Sorry, verse 16. We can't leave that one out. And the Lord said to them, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. God didn't let him say no. God didn't let him say no. He said, no, no, you're going to do it. I didn't miss it. I didn't miss who was the person assigned for this. It is you. And to say yes requires to step into that faith. To say yes requires that I'm going to stop looking at what I can accomplish and rely and rest on God and God alone. Verse 17, then he said to them, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you that are talking with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring you my offering and set it before you. Gideon was asking for a sign. Gideon needed to know that God was doing and moving. And sometimes we don't even realize that we need it and God will offer it to us. 
So God had been stirring this word in me for weeks already. And yesterday, as I was briefly communicating with Barbie, she starts sharing what she's speaking to the kids about this morning. She's the one that did our kids' church. It was about faith. How faith tramples and crumbles fear. Is that a coincidence? That, that's, that's a God. She wasn't even supposed to teach the first service. That was like an out of a sudden that she was filling in the gap. But the word that God deposited upon her was the word that God put in my heart. And for me, that was a confirmation of this is exactly what needs to be here, what needs to be delivered for today. It is the confirmation because God will give us that sign. He will do that. So Gideon went and he got everything that he needed to offer the sacrifice to the Lord. He got everything in order. And then we go to verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff and was in his hands and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Look at what happened. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of sight. Would you believe now? If you bring something to God and all of a sudden out of that rock that you put it in, fire comes out? Like, that's like a sign. That is like loud and clear neon lights. Like, this is me telling you this, right? So God gave it to him. God gave him that sign. So he went and he worshiped before the Lord. So he accepted the call. He accepted it. Now comes first task. Verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal. Go ahead and underline that tear down. His first task was to tear down that thing that was being worshipped instead of God. The enemy brings so many distractions, so many things that we focused our attention on instead of God. We build those altars all the time. We allow those that we love to have them all the time because we can give this little space to God. But God's first task in him being able to walk in that faith over fear was accept the call. Then it was tear down those altars. Tear it down. And he not only said to tear it down, but I'll tear down those images. And after you tear it down, rebuild. Rebuild an altar for God. And that wood that they made that little image out of thinking that that had power, that's going to be the fire you're going to use to consume that. Is that bold? That's like go big or go home. It is like we're going to do this. We are going to do this now. We are going to do this now. So God gave them that, gave them that assignment. The cares of this world have to be surrendered to God. Again, the enemy will try to put in fear in our faith journey all the time. When I was pregnant with Abigail that we had prayed for, we had longed for, and I was pregnant with her. Then they, the, my friends told me, you know what? There's this app called What to Expect When Expecting. How neat. I guess I have to do that, right? Because that's the thing that you do. So I downloaded the app, started reading the app. Super cute. They're, the baby's now the size of a peanut. The baby's now the size of this, right? It compares it to all that, these food stuff. But then... Second portion of this, if you are experiencing this, you might be going through this. Guess what happened when I would read that? David, David, wake up. I think I'm feeling that. I just read that, and I think so. Look, when I take a deep breath, I think that's what happened. So he would just turn to me, delete the app, delete the app. 
you're right, you're right. I need to be in faith. Delete the app. A week went by. Two weeks went by. Curiosity. I, I'm probably missing out on something. There's probably something that I shouldn't know. Because that, I mean, what to expect when expecting. Like, it's like, you know, so many books have been bought. They, I, I want to just, I'll just read the first half. Like, when it gets to, like, what's happening, I'm not even going to read that. But I'm going to put on, I put on the phone. Started reading. Of course, read the whole thing. David, David, look at what they're saying. Delete the app, delete the app. Back and forth for at least two months of this whole thing. Until I had to make the decision. Hold on. I need to kick out this that is causing fear inside of me. Because it wasn't causing me to pray. It wasn't causing me to read the word. It wasn't causing, it was causing me to doubt, doubt, and doubt. But then I also had a nice lunch group of my coworkers, which I love. Wow, we had that midday break. We ate lunch together. But they thought it was a great idea that when they found out that I was pregnant to share all their horror stories, all the stories of things they went through, all the stories of things all of their friends went through, what do you think that was causing inside of me? Fear, doubt. But now comes even, I mean, the app, now comes, am I going to be the outcast from my, 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 my friends, from my group? Am I going to be the one that, that is not going to, like, just eat with them? Like, Am I really going to do that? I had to make a decision. And I wasn't a teenager. This is, as adults, we make these decisions. And we don't realize that peer pressure is real. And we succumb to stuff that we know that God doesn't want us to be part of, but it's real. And I had to decide, no thanks. I'm going to do working lunches right now, guys. This is not, like, this is not helping me. So this is better for me. This is what I'm going to do. And I had to take that stance because I had prayed for that baby I wanted that baby. And the cost of me sitting there and listening to my friends, I, I was not willing to, to, to be there. Right? I needed what God had for me. So I had to choose faith over that fear and knocking down those altars, knocking down those things that were making me not walk in that faith, in that unwavering faith for God. What does that look like for you, WebMD? You have a headache. Huh. I wonder what it could be. And you open it up. Oh, aneurysm. Or it could be this. Or it could be that. Oh, look, I have a little spot here. Oh, that's stage three skin cancer. Or that's this. Uh, if whatever you're doing around you is causing you to enter into doubt and opening a door for that fear, today is the day that I'm here to tell you, close it. It's not worth the cost because what God has for you is great. Again, mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor. You will walk into the call. So eliminate those things. Tear down those things that would cause you to walk in that fear. No matter who or what it is, you want what God has Accept the call that God has upon your life. Remove those things. Tear down those things that are distracting you from what God has for you. Then it continues here. Verse 27. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants. Remember, he was supposed to tear this stuff down and rebuild it. And did as the Lord said to him. But, da -da -da -da, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day he did it by night so Gideon was saying yes 
but, ah, you know, can, can I tweak it so it could be a little more comfortable for me? Can it be more comfortable? But guess what? They all found out it was him, and everybody was out to get him. And then the multitudes were out to get him. But then we get to verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet. There is no going back now, people. He blew the trumpet. He didn't revert back to this first person we saw in verse 11 that was doing something but in hiding, in secret, so the Midianites wouldn't get him. He didn't revert back to that when he heard that people were out to get him. He was filled with the Spirit of God, and because of that, and only because of that, he blew the trumpet. A call to action. We are doing this. We are moving forward in what God has moving forward. Then verse 36. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. Parentheses here. God already showed him a great and mighty sign fire came out from the rock he was filled with the spirit he blew that trumpet and I can imagine the next moment what have I done like what did I just do but he didn't try to hide that from God he went to God God please show me a sign again and God was so loving and so merciful and so compassionate he did it so the story goes on to say that he got this piece of fleece and he put it on the ground and he prayed, God, show me the sign that everything around be dry except that fleece, that piece of fleece. Next morning he got it. It was wet. Not only wet, because when God does something, like he wants to make sure that you get it, right? Because at least me, sometimes I'm a little hard-headed. He wants to make sure. You ask for it to be wet. When he squeezed that, a whole bucket full of water came out. So th there is no denying that, that God did show up strong. But then it says, it continues in verse 39. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. But let me speak just one more time, right? Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. He, he knew he wasn't there yet. And, and sometimes we do a good job pretending we're there when we're not. And it doesn't propel us to the next place that God has for us. We can do a good job speaking the language of, I'm doing great. Everything is awesome. So good. Yes, I'm happy. Oh, but that, that happened. This just happened in your life. It's all good. We're good. And then you go home and you are in a state of anxiety and depression because you're not. You see, God showed him a sign, a second sign now. But he knew, I'm not there yet, God. I, I need another one. Put the fleece down. Lord, let now this be dry, the fleece, and everything else around wet. And God did it. God does that for me all the time. I'm, I'm hard-headed sometimes. I don't know if anybody can relate here. But when I go to God, he's so loving and compassionate and patient and kind that he'll do it one more time if we are honest before him. So to walk in that faith over fear, it is accepting the call in spite of the fear. It is tearing down those altars, things that we have put before God, things that are open doors. It's closing that off. 
And it is also what we see now, being honest before the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I need you. Lord, this doubt is trying to come in right now. Lord, I'm not sure. And you calling out to God. You finding somebody that you know will pray with you and saying, I need to pray right now. I need you to remind me of who God is right now. Lord, I need to find a little stud in the middle of a pool to remind me one more time that you do miracles today. It's not a thing of the past. You are a miracle worker today. And he will show up every single time. He wants us to believe. He wants us to walk in faith. He wants that for us. Then we continue. Chapter 7, verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give you the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Have you ever heard somebody going into battle saying, too many? Let's just go with like a few people. I mean, they're going into battle. We're going to say the scripture tells us the amount of people that were on the other side. But God is saying, this is going to be done, and I'm going to get the glory. That little stud. Crazy. Crazy. But so God can get the glory. Nobody can work it out on their own. It was God. So God said, no, we're not going to do this the way that it could be. Oh, because sometimes, let's be honest, God does something. And then the enemy seeps in. Was it really God? Because you know you're really smart. And you know that that could have just been a coincidence. And you know that all this stuff. So when it gets difficult and the journey, maybe it's a little rough and tough. Maybe it's because God needs to get the glory. He's going to see you through. And you're going to say, you know me. You know what happened. Only God. Can you agree with me? Yeah. Only God. Only God. So difficult roads, that can't scare a mighty man of valor, a mighty woman of valor. That will just ignite you. And today I want you to be ignited by God. That with God you can do that that may seem impossible and may seem difficult. Because he will receive the glory. He is the one that turns everything for the good. He is the one that says if you have faith as a mustard seed. You will tell to this mountain to move from here to there. He is the one that took this man that was 38 years with a condition. Sitting in Bethesda by the pool. And all of a sudden, Jesus came by, and they were healed. Only Jesus, only the power of God. He is the one to receive the glory. He is the one. But we need to move, and we need to do, and we need to obey. Because that's that last point there. God's going to take us, and for us to triumph for that faith over that fear. It is okay, God. This seems crazy. Less people. Okay. But you said it, I've already seen you, fire out of a rock, the water on the fleece, the no water on the fleece. We're, we're just going to do this, God. We're just going to do this, God. We're going to obey and we're going to go forward. Look at the first group of people that had to be eliminated from that group that was going to go to war with Gideon. Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid... Let him turn and depart at once. Was that a coincidence that that's the first group that had to be eliminated? 
the first group that had to be, no, 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 you are not going to war with, with Gideon. Not happening. You, you can stay. You can stay. First group was that group to be eliminated. The second group were the ones, crazy test. Go see how they drink water. That will tell you who's going to go to war. Does that even make sense, how you drink water? But that's how God wanted it. And the ones that were drinking like a dog, nope. You want the ones that are vigilant, the ones that scoop it up the ones that take, the ones that are aware, that's who you want. And they stayed with 300 people. With 300, they were going to go to war. That's what God had said. This is the plan. This is what's going to happen. Verse 8. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. When it was time, he didn't even have time to think about it. God said, those are the 300? That same day, go. Because sometimes when we have too much time in our hands, um, not working out. So when you were waiting... For God to give you that next step, do something for him at that moment. Don't just spend idle time just thinking and contemplating. And be ready. Because when God starts equipping you and telling you, next moment you might see that miracle. That next moment might be the moment that God's going to do it. So it may have not happened 10 years ago, 3 years ago, but it can happen all of a sudden. It can happen all of a sudden. That same night he went out. In verse 10, but if you are afraid, this is God telling Gideon again, but if you, again, right? When I got to Spider, I'm like, my goodness, in Spanish, hasta cuando? Like, how much? And then God reminded me, look at yourself. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> got it, got it, Lord, got it. Clear, clear, clear. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servants, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand will be strengthened to go down against the camp. He went down with Pura. So he was still, it was still a little bit in there that he needed to get out. And God took him down there to the camp, and they overheard these two Midianites, these two people talking about, Oh, I had this dream, and this dream just happened. And the other one says, oh, I had a dream too. That's Gideon's sword. We are going to be destroyed by that. So after he heard that, because the enemy delivered the word of confirmation he needed. Is that not? Wow. Like God will deliver the word wherever he sees fit. Verse 15. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, and its interpretation that he worshipped, he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord will deliver. Does it say will deliver? No. no. Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. This man that we started, I want to do things in hiding. I'll do a little bit. The wrestling back and forth with God. The wrestling back and forth of I want to, but I don't want to, but I don't know if I can. Is now saying, no, no, it is done. Let's go. It is not that it's going to be done. It is done. 
And it is that faith that God wants to deposit upon all of us this morning. So I'm going to ask for all of you to get on your feet. And we're going to declare this song. It's not a song that we're doing. I don't want you to get into the lost in the, in the melody, whatever. It's simple. It's simple. But it's a declaration of, Lord, this fear needs to go once and for all. This thing that has been holding me back into sleepless nights, into anxiety, into doubting, this wavering faith that doesn't allow me to move forward. Today we are done. We are breaking up with this today. Today is it. I am walking into the fullness. I am that mighty man of valor. I am that mighty woman of valor. I will go into the places that others may not dare to go because you, Lord, are with me. It is today. Today is our day.